Just a note before we start. Our show talks about touchy subjects that may be difficult for some of our listeners. Take care of yourself. If you feel you need to seek help, see the links at the end of our show notes for resources. Welcome to Touchy Subjects, the podcast that aims to make those awkward conversations around domestic and sexual violence just a little less awkward. I'm Sean. I'm Allie. And I'm Amanda. And today we're going to be discussing sexual trauma. And we have a guest with us today, Susan Branton. Thank you for joining us, Susan. Ah, Sean, thank you so much for your interest in covering the subject of sexual trauma in the grand scheme of trauma, because... In all honesty, the majority of us human beings have had some kind of sexual trauma. Even if we don't recognize it as such, it's affected us in ways that are holding us back from having the intimacy and connection that is our our God-given right as human beings on this planet. And so it is a very important and very touchy subject. It sure (laughs) is. And thank you for joining us and wanting to be on our show with us. I've looked over your stuff and it's amazing. So I'm really glad you're here. Um, So just for our audience who may not be familiar with you, could you just quickly introduce yourself? Yeah, I'd I'd like to because I actually come at this in a little bit of an unusual way. Um, I call myself an intimacy expert to millions. What I really am is a sex expert. And my area of expertise is not actually in therapeutics. It's in the opposite of therapeutics. Um, The the therapeutics is a therapist, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a sexologist, someone who meets with you one-on-one and helps you overcome your problems and break through your barriers. What I am is actually a publisher of passionate lovemaking techniques. So I I teach you how to transform having sex into making love. My techniques are pleasuring skills and bedroom communication skills and sexual health modalities and treatments and solutions for people who their sexuality is important to them and they want it to be the best they can be. But I can't do my job, which is to teach you lovemaking skills. If you or your partner has had trauma, it gets in the way of that free flow of joy that can occur in our beautiful connection as humans. So very early on, I partnered with a number of experts who've taught me the wide overview of the, of the kinds of trauma that happen and, and, and what you can do about it. Because the other thing that I've learned in working with millions of people for going on 15 years, people of all ages from 19 to 90 around the world, of all genders, in all kinds of cultures, very conservative cultures, as well as here in California, crazy, you know, sexually self-expressed cultures, is that you can't, you, you, you are often, some people know that they've been traumatized and other people have this vague sense of unease and discomfort around their sexuality that they don't necessarily call trauma, but in fact it is. 
And that's what I want to talk about today is essentially how you can transform the wounding and the hurt and the issues that have come up. I want to, I want to give you a laundry list of the issues that happen so that you can become more sensitive to the fact that we, we all have had some things that have impacted us. And then we'll talk more about how you can heal those and what those modalities are. So I'm here, I'm really here to give you an overview of what happens and what you can do about it so that you can decide for yourself what's right for you. Because for many people, going to a therapist isn't an option from a cost perspective, from a time perspective. They don't want to dig it all up and get it all out. They, you know, it's like, oh no, if I even deal with that, it's going to take me down. Sometimes people want to heal it themselves. Sometimes people can heal it themselves instantly just by getting the recognition, the awareness that what happened to them is very common and it's going to be okay. And then for many, many people, their partner helps them heal. That's where most of the healing actually happens is in partnership because we need support and connection through the pain and, um, you know, how it's settled into our body. And that's one of the things I also want to talk about in our second part, which is that there are talk therapies, and then there are what are called somatic therapies. And so as we talk about what the issues are, and then what the solutions are, one of the solutions is body-based touch and connection and that often comes from our partner so if you're coming into this episode thinking you know i'm not sure i am going to be able to fix my problem i want to assure you that there are a lot of roads that lead to the rome of joy yeah we are i mean we're we're super interested all of us i wish our listeners could see our faces right now because susan just exudes this this way of talking about this. And we're so thrilled to have you here. Um, I think one of the most interesting things about this discussion today for touchy subjects, our podcast is that oftentimes we focus on, you know, we focus on the prevention of domestic and sexual violence, and we focus on kind of these icky, nasty, yucky things. Um, and we talk about the problems in society a lot, which those are touchy subjects, right? Um, and today we'll, we'll talk a little bit about those things too, but with the end goal of affirming the fact, like you said, that every human has an inherent right to pleasure and to joy um, and to express their sexuality in the ways that they, um, that they want to. So I, I just, I really think that this is a different and very cool conversation for our listeners. Thank you, Allie. Yeah, one of the things that it's hard for people who've been traumatized to imagine is how nice it is to have lovemaking that isn't filled with fear and performance anxiety and, uh, you know, triggering potential, potential triggering issues and things like that. But if you can see what I see and experience what I see, in my own lovemaking and how incredibly joyful it is and how rebooting it is for our nervous systems and how much how healthy it is and how many good hormones and neurotransmitters flood our system from intimate connection then you'd know okay this is even better than eating my vegetables and taking vitamins you know this is just this is fuel for our humanity connection is fuel for our humanity it is our, our sexuality is a part of our 
our lust for life, our passion for living, our creativity. And when something has happened to you that has denied you access to that, you're actually being denied life force. And that's where I want to say to you, if you're listening to this conversation with trepidation, not sure that you even want to begin the journey to heal yourself, I want to encourage you to consider it. <clears throat> There's another thing that I'd also like to share, and that is my personal story, because I want you to know that I've been traumatized, and I've been traumatized in many, many ways. And that's where we get into the conversation of what is trauma. So I, I can start there because I, th I do think it is important to understand that I've walked your walk if you've been traumatized. Um, and then we can get into the different kinds of trauma. Does that sound like a good place to go next for you guys? Absolutely. Whatever you want to share. Okay. Thanks, Amanda. Well, when I was a little girl, and I'm going to make this brief, but I want, I want to tell you some of the ways that I've been shamed and traumatized. When I was a little girl, my mother remarried, and she married a sociopath. And we didn't even know what a sociopath was at that time. And as my mother was thinking about walking down the aisle to marry this man, she said to her mother, I don't think I should do this. I think this is a bad idea. And her mother said, you've made your bed, now lie in it. And we are raised in a very stoic society. You know, take your lumps, suck it up, those kinds of things. And that, when my mother's gut was screaming at the top of its lungs to her as she stood on the threshold of that carpet down the church, and all of the cells in her body said, don't do it, and her mother told her to. That was the beginning of the trauma of that relationship that affected the child who was in it, which was me. That, that man who was a sociopath was a horrible bigot. He, was, he beat my mother and he sexually molested me over and over again from the time I was six years old. That remember the first thing that he did was I was getting bathed and my mom was giving me a bath or sitting with me while I was playing in the tub. And he stormed into the bathroom, six years old, and he pulled me out of the tub, soaking wet and full of sudsy bubbles and said, you left your bike out front, go out and get it and put it away. He had no, no um, you know, awareness that it was embarrassing for me to be seen naked by a man that I really didn't know who wasn't really my father to be marched outside with a towel around me dripping wet. I mean, he could have waited. He could have put the bike away. He could have reminded me. He could have done a million things. It got worse from there. And he sexually molested me over and over again as a child. I told my mother and she literally couldn't believe it because if she believed it, then she'd have to do something about it. And she was powerless to do something about it. She, to this day, if she heard me talking about this with you, she would apologize again to me, but I have long forgiven her. She was doing the best she could do to keep us safe in the larger context of having a home to live in than the smaller context of me getting beaten by my stepfather and molested by my stepfather. That's, that was just the beginning of things that happened to me. The first time I ever had sex, I used birth control and got pregnant and I had to have an abortion and I had to hide it from my parents. I've had partners in my early twenties who one guy, I had sex with him. And then he, 
at the end, he said, get your clothes on and get out. I'm never going to see you again. Go home. You're terrible in bed. Like I was the only one in bed, right? He shamed me. I mean, these are the kinds of things that happen. And there are many, many more stories. And the thing is that this does not make me unusual. This is actually quite normal. Um, now you add on, and I'll, I'll move into some of the other things that create shame. And I didn't even go through my whole list of things, in all honesty. Those were just three of my highlights. And many people have a highlight reel of sexual injustices, traumas, and abuses, of shame, of, of, of lack of care, of stoicism, of outright cold-hearted sociopathy. Because one in every 10 people in the world has sociopathic tendencies. They have no emotion. They don't care about you. And then there are the people who are the sadists who actually enjoy hurting you and you're going to run into them in life. It's the luck of the draw. If it happened to you, you didn't do anything wrong. There's so much guilt that surrounds people who've been abused and then got some pleasure from it and feel completely conflicted about that. Because touching your body and touching your genitals is supposed to be pleasurable. But when it's done by someone who has no um, care for you, then you end up with this bifurcated feeling where you can't figure out how to feel about it and it confuses you. So the kinds of things that happen are everything from, and one of the biggies is religious repression. Religion is a big part of what holds people back from feeling confident about their sexuality and right-hearted about their sexuality. There's societal shame. There's ignorance. Ignorance is the biggest one. If you don't understand how sexuality works, if you only know conceptually what procreation is, then you really don't know what making love is. And there's a big difference between tab A into slot B and feeling loved and pleasured and heart connected. That's, a, that's the opposite ends of the spectrum. And so lack of knowledge is very, very um, prevalent. We don't, we get taught very simple things and a lot of it is fear-based around sexuality. Ooh, you're gonna get pregnant. Don't get that semen near you. When in actual fact, semen is a, it's a, a, a cocktail of excellent, healthful materials like, um, serotonin and luteinizing hormones and zinc and testosterone, all of these things come in semen that are very good for your body. So we get scared about getting, you know, getting pregnant or being unclean or worrying about STIs. Everybody, ooh, everybody's got STIs. It's going to be dirty. I'm going to get a, I'm going to get something, you know. Now there's STI tests and we can be careful about ourselves before we have partnered sex. Don't masturbate. It's, you know, it's going to give you hairy palms or it's going to keep you from whatever. I don't even know what all the things are that people have been told about masturbation, but I am sure they are quite 
creative. Um, and when masturbation is so good for you to have a sexual release, to give yourself pleasure, to know your own body. So we don't even get to talk about our genitals. We don't, you know, we don't even look down there. We don't have the words for our clitoris, our labia, our vestibular bulbs, our vagina, our penis, our testicles, the scrotum, the prostate. You know, we're not, we're not really taught much about it except as a slur. So we can't celebrate our genitals. So we get into just those societal issues. And then you layer in the media, which doesn't show lovemaking. It, it basically most of the time shows what is darn close to rape. It's no warm up, no foreplay, no heart connection, no eye gazing, just rip your clothes off and stick it in. And then people think that's normative when it's not. And it's actually the patriarchal view of sexuality and not the matriarchal view of sexuality. And women need to be in control of their bodies and the way they are pleasured. So there's movies. And then, of course, the king, queen, and joker of bad sex and bad ideas, which is pornography. And pornography, unfortunately, Time Magazine recently had an article of a, a, um, an academic paper where they took set random samples across pornography of over 300 video clips and found that 94% of them were degrading to women. And pornography preys on the fact that men generally need to masturbate on a daily basis to keep their sperm fresh. They're biologically wired to want to masturbate more than women do. Women run in a 28-day cycle. And so they, they have days that, you know, they have their five days around their estrus where they're generally more aroused and turned on. And that's when they'd more likely want to masturbate. They might not masturbate every day. And of course, everyone in sexuality is on a bell curve. There's, you know, the mid range, but there are people who are lower on it and higher on it. Some people don't want to masturbate ever and they don't really feel called to sexuality. And there are other people who want to masturbate multiple times a day and that's okay too. So we have pornography, which shows us terrible examples of sexuality. And then we feel dissatisfied. Even that can be traumatic. Look at pornography and what it's doing to men around their penis size and the shame that they feel about their penises. So many men come to me because one of the things that I do is I, I do help men who are interested in penis enlargement know how to go about it in a safe and right manner because there are men who are on the smaller size who could be larger using some things like a vacuum erection device and some other treatments. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to shape your body to be bigger or smaller that's your choice you know so we get shamed about our breast size our penis size our body size we get shamed about ageism you're too old you're too young we're just pretty much shamed about everything and i haven't even gotten into the trauma that others inflict on us so here we are with all the stuff we grow up with, you know, I never saw my parents kiss. I went to a, you know, a very religious, I had a very religious upbringing that made me feel ashamed about my sexuality. I watched pornography, which has skewed my perspective of sexuality, whatever it might be. 
you have all of those pieces and then you have all the things that people did to you. So there's all of that. And that's, of course, uh, rape and uh, just terrible sex is traumatic. <laughs> Don't underestimate how traumatic really bad sex where you feel like it should be better, but it's not. And it's so disappointing to you that it turns you off from having sex. What about circumcision and genital mutilation? A lot of men who are circumcised, they're like, well, it's working for me just fine. But there are equally many, many men now who feel like circumcision is is something that their parents did to them that mutilated their genitals. So they have body dysmorphia around genital mutilation. It's not just young women in Africa that are getting mutilated. We are mutilating the genitals of our humans around the world for a lot of reasons that don't make any sense in modern times. So there are a lot, now that I list them, you're like, wow, that's a lot of stuff, right? Oh, it's definitely a lot of stuff, especially like looking at the, just the stuff that we grow up with around shame around sex. It's just like in general, having discussions on sex are taboo. Like I have to make sure when I'm going into schools that I'm not restricting, but very carefully choosing words to not have it be a discussion on sex. And I talk about sexual assault prevention. How can I talk about rape while having to carefully choose my words around sex? Because someone is going to be upset that I mentioned sex when their only focus on sex education is abstinence only. So when we're growing up, just learning basically nothing about sex except from when we watch porn or except from the things that we're hearing from our friends, which they probably learned from porn, we're not getting a full picture on what sex is even supposed to look like. And then when we focus on just basically every form of media being shot from that male perspective or that male gaze women don't even get to really see what a sexual encounter is supposed to be like for them and men don't get a good understanding of what a sexual encounter is even supposed to look like to begin with because they're thinking about that woman just as that object for them to be there so if as a guy i'm taking that to heart and saying like okay so what i'm seeing in porn that's how i'm supposed to behave during a sexual encounter all i've done is set my partner up to be potentially assaulted during that situation because at no point is consent ever discussed Everything is just assumed, and that creates traumatic events for people. Yeah, I I also think it's important that we're talking about the the ways that people can experience sexual trauma that aren't assaultive, right? In nature, they aren't a sexual assault or rape. Um, there's these traumas that you outlined, Susan with having bad sexual experiences or being shamed from an early age. And it's, it's those, those things that build and they build and they build into a lifetime of messaging about what sex is um, to the point where somebody might feel blocked. They might feel, they might not even understand that they feel blocked because of those traumatic messages that they got. Um, so I think that's really important too in a sex positive way, we're, we're trying to say like, trauma doesn't have to be assault. There are many ways that that's, you deserve great sex, but you may not have been getting it because of all of these smaller messages that you've had in your life. Yeah, yeah. it's like every single thing that happens, almost everything that I talked about 
could likely happen to a, an individual person. Not, I forgot another one too, which is medical procedures. Even just going to the gynecologist's office can be traumatizing for a woman. And men hardly ever go to the urologist and take care of their problems, often because they're too embarrassed about any issues they might have around erectile dysfunction, prostatitis, etc. So men also are traumatized by their fear of going to the doctor. So yeah, that's an that's another one that uh, that I remembered. I'll keep remembering them. There's so many, you know. <laughs> well, and just like focusing on the um, guys not wanting to go to doctors, that just goes back to messaging that we get about being a man is that we're not supposed to look for help or even seek help or ask questions. We're just supposed to know. Like, how am I supposed to know any of that stuff? I'm not a medical professional. There's people who have been trained to be able to tell me what's wrong. I can't just be like, mm, it'll go away. It'll be fine. You also have never you... gotten messages about those things in our education system. Surely. Yeah. So how are you supposed to know? Google? That's an even worse setup. <laughs> Web, not... If I have WebMD, it's just going to be cancer. It's always cancer. <laughs> exactly. Always. Unless it has to do with sex, then it's HIV. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So many scare tactics around. Um, it was funny. I was talking to someone out at an event last night and he said, you know, I really love this girl and I would really love to have her as my girlfriend, but she won't she won't be intimate with me because she has herpes and she's afraid to give them to me. So she's basically celibate because she has herpes. And I said, well, herpes is definitely a, a spreadable communicable disease but I, I i mean there's there's oral herpes and there's genital herpes but you know we've all had epstein-barr that's a herpes virus we've all had mm -hmm. pretty much all of us have had chicken pox that's a herpes virus they shouldn't be so stigmatized and if she's aware when she has an outbreak and she abstains during an outbreak it's very 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 low risk it's the people who don't understand that little thing on their butt isn't a pimple it's herpes and then you know you touch it herpes is a skin-to-skin -skin contact disease and many stis are skin-to-skin -skin. so we're taught to vilify semen and vaginal secretions because they're going to give us stis when in actual fact of the over 20 stis you know sexually transmitted infections is all that means most of them are just skin to skin contact where a condom doesn't even really protect you. And when I tell people that they're like, oh, well now you've ruined it for me worse. And it's like, no, I haven't ruined it for you. I've informed you so that you can make good decisions. That's the other thing is that people tend to get re-traumatized once they've gotten into the mode of victimhood around their sexuality. It's bad. I'm going to get hurt. This is an unsafe, unclean area. Then everything looks dangerous to them and they begin to block off any possibility of connection, which is why I think recognizing and understanding all of the ways that we have been traumatized actually allows us to move through that toward more wholeness to connection with self and other. Yeah. And one of the things that I'm just, I'm really enjoying about this conversation is that a lot of times when we have discussions around trauma, especially like in our field, we focus specifically on that sexual assault or we focus on that domestic violence situation that they were in when yes, those are absolutely traumatic events. But we don't really talk about trauma from 
the like everyday stuff that we might experience the cumulative yeah. trauma the little bricks that build the wall between us and our connection right because i would never in all of my years of discussing trauma have connected like oh if you have a bad sexual encounter which i'm sure every one of us can think of who is sexually active if a bad sexual encounter because not every sex is going to be great but not think not really seeing or thinking that that encounter has also then impacted how I have now viewed my sexual encounters with other people or created a like a performance anxiety type of situation where now I'm just like every encounter after that is just not going to be as good because I'm worried now about something that has happened. So I think it's really great to make that distinction for our audience is that there's a cumulative effect to trauma and it doesn't have to be this really, really bad thing, the way that we phrase it. It can be those just, I had bad sex that day and now it's just impacting how I have sex with everyone. Yeah, it's like death by a thousand paper cuts. Yeah. Um, so really quick then, um, Susan, because of the discussion that we are having around sexual trauma, how can we start to look at recovering from that sexual trauma or what can what steps can we take well we're going to dive deeper into how to heal your sexuality or how to help your partner heal their sexuality because a lot of us end up with partners who've been traumatized and we love them but it's it puts a, an obstacle in the way of our connection it's interesting too, I wanna to throw in one more type of trauma to this conversation because one time I sent out an email to my fans who read my newsletter. And I said to them, I'm gonna ask you this question and I'm not gonna be able to reply to everybody because I'm gonna get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of responses. But please tell me what it is that's holding you back from having the intimacy and connection that you feel that you should have. And the one thing I don't want you to reply about is if you don't have a partner. This isn't about getting a partner or dating. This is about what's holding you back from having the intimacy that you feel that you could have. And there were people who came back and said, you know, I, I've had sexual trauma, I've had sexual abuse, but it was actually quite a quite few people. What was really holding people back was all kinds of illnesses of various kinds. Because when you don't feel well, your libido and desire are the other side of the same coin of your general health. If your health is impacted, then your, your desire is impacted. You just don't feel well enough. You don't have the resources. So there are other people who are running around essentially with sexual trauma, not from anything that happened to them sexually, but just the fact that they're having, they have cancer or they have, you know, some kind of stubborn illness that they're, you know, chronic fatigue that they're trying to get over and that impacts their sex life as well. So when I got back these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of responses, there was an interesting thing in there and it was betrayal. So there was all these different health issues some specific to the genitals and some general to the body. And then there was about 20% of people who said, it, I was hurt, I was betrayed. It wasn't even necessarily sexually hurt, but it was emotionally betrayed. And that trauma kept them from trusting again, from putting themselves out there. They couldn't let go of it 
There are people who, when something bad happens to them, they cannot get over it. They just can't get past it. And on the next episode, one of the things we're going to be talking about is the ways that you can get over and get past. And what does getting past your trauma look like? How do you come out the other side, like Susan Bratton, who had a laundry list of injustices from the time it was a baby happened to me. And how did I end up at 60 years old having the most rewarding, satisfying, pleasurable sex life of my life so far? At 60, I feel like I'm still just beginning my sexual expansion and my joy and my sex life has never been better. So how do you go from feeling like you've been victimized and truly being victimized to having a satisfying sex life. And, and we're going to talk about those modalities, both things you can do to work with someone, things you can do yourself and things you can do to help your partner. Yeah. Um, so thank you for joining us today, Susan. Um, like you, like she alluded to, we are going to be doing a part two with Susan. So if you like this episode, check back because we're going to have a new episode coming out in um, a couple weeks again with Susan. Um, before we go, though, Susan, would you like to plug any socials or plug anything to our audience? Well, actually, I'd like to give your listeners a gift. It's a method that I have called the magic pill method. And essentially, anytime you're with someone and sex used to be better, but it's not as good as it as it used to be, and you want to get back to where you were, or you feel like you've had some kind of a physical or emotional trauma, and you want to move toward what could be possible for the two of you in the, in the future, I have this technique. It's at magicpillmethod.com. You download it, and it's a little exercise that you do with yourself, and your partner does it, and then you meet, and you talk about what you used to do, and what you still could do. And then you look at the list of the things you both still feel like you could do together and you make that list up and that's what you begin to work on. And then you look at what's holding you back from doing the things you used to do and you look for solutions to it. Because one of the things I found when those hundreds of emails were coming in, I said to myself, well, I could, I could fix that. 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 So how can I, I don't have time to fix everybody's problems, right? So how do I help people fix their own problems, which is a lot of what we're going to be talking about in the next episode. And the magic pill method is a very good tool for you helping to fix your own problems in your own relationships. So um, I would recommend you download that. And then if you want to find out more about me, um, my website is Personal Life Media. If you go to Personal Life Media on the homepage, there's a way that you can get onto my email newsletter. And if you want to change, um, essentially change the way that you've been getting information about sexuality by getting the kind of information that I provide, which is step-by-step uh, -step techniques, pleasuring skills, bedroom communication skills, because people don't talk about their needs in the bedroom. So how, how can you in safe ways begin to bring voice to what's going on in your head, um, as well as sexual health? Because for many people, the reason that they stop making love is that it hurts. And there are a lot of solutions that people aren't aware of that I bring to light that really help millions of people. So you can find that at personallifemedia.com. 
Awesome. Thank you. I have, looked, like I said earlier, looked through some of your stuff. It's great. I highly recommend it. So please go check it out, everyone. And thank you all for listening today. So please feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and TikTok at TouchySubsPod. Please feel free to message any questions, comments, or concerns to TouchySubjectsPodcast at gmail.com. And in the meantime, don't be afraid to challenge, ask, and discuss when it comes to touchy subjects.